Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning. Scott Luton and Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Gregory, how are we doing? We're doing quite well. How are we doing? You doing? <laughs> the other we. The other we. We're doing great, man. It is a gorgeous day in Metro Atlanta. I've got 70 degrees and lots of sunshine and the birds are going crazy today. So something is certainly in the air. It could be spring or it could be March Madness. Not sure yet, but we'll know. Join us at, uh, on the late news, 11 p.m. And we'll could be green beer also. <laughs> it could be. It could be. The birds are partaking, maybe. Um, <laughs> well, so, you know, that's not all the good stuff we've got. We've got a great show teed up right here, Greg. Yeah. Today, it's all about big data. And once you get the right data, cleanse it all, spick and span, you know, you know how it goes. What the heck do you do with it? Well, good news. We've got a wonderful Amen. supply chain pro from a world-class company joining us here today to answer the question. How to become a data-driven supply chain super competitor, Greg? Gonna be a good good conversation, right? It is and appropriate for St. Patrick's Day, which everyone will see in just a minute when we announce who our guest is. But yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to this. Look, data has been the topic of it seems like the decade, but now we're you know it's more than just big data. It's more just than just having data. It's wrangling that data into something useful. And we're finally, it feels like, turning our, our focus to, to that primarily. Agreed. These days, having the data is table stakes, it seems. As yeah, of 10 years right. ago, it was all about finding a way to accumulate it. But, hey, we're going to hear from our pro here today, our guest. And, Greg, I know this is a topic you're passionate about as well. So, And we're going to hear from all the folks in the cheap seats uh, in the skybox, which we're going to say hello to in just a second. But really quick. Nominations are still open through April 1st for the 2022 Supply Chain and Procurement Awards. Join us. Get those nominations in. We've got eight or nine different categories. We've got uh, Deeds Not Words Leadership Award. We've got Champion of Humanity Award for you know, Service to Others. We've got World Class Logistics. Uh, we've got Technology Trailblazer. You name it. There's something for everybody. Wherever your operations are, you're eligible to nominate. So venture over to SupplyChainProcurementAwards.com. And join us April 1st deadline. And then, Greg, next, not next week, the following week, you and Kevin L. Jackson, who hosts Digital Transformers here, is going to be up at the Global Upstate Conference on International Business and Foreign Affairs yeah. in a couple of weeks. What's going on there? Well, we're bringing in, uh, I, we're not bringing in, we're part of a panel that's being brought in from around the world to talk about international affairs. Genius, right? Especially <laughs> on their, based on their title. And in our case, and particularly uh, Kevin and I, we're going to be talking about emerging tech, 5G, supply chain challenges around the world. I have a feeling we'll do some sharing offline as well as in these panel sessions because a lot of these people are business persons from around uh, the world. Mm. Um, I know that we have generals from Denmark and business people from all over Europe and, and the rest of the world. Hey, first of all, how about that? People <laughs> actually meeting with other people. Man, uh, we've seen a big upturn in that. And we're looking forward to this because, look, we need to get back to getting global perspectives on these things. Agreed. Love the tagline. Exchanging horizons, finding solutions. Love that. Can drop the link in the show notes. I think it might already be there. Uh, but join Greg and Kevin L. Jackson for that. Okay. All that brings us to all the wonderful folks that are tuned in via the cheap seats. We want to hear from you all throughout the conversation here today. We have Monty tuned in via LinkedIn. Great to see you here. Josh Goody is back. Josh, you're is. becoming a staple to these live streams here lately yeah. via LinkedIn. Any Greg? Yes, he is. And we'll not be talking about football, English <laughs> Premier League football today. <laughs> Jay, <laughs> James Benton is tuned in from North Kakalaki. Great to see you, James. Barbara tuned in from Greenville, South Carolina, talking about the upstate. Hey, there we go. Great to see you, Barbara. Divine Sports and Mentorship is tuned in via LinkedIn from Texas. Great to have you here today. Kelly from Murray, Kentucky. I wonder how far our guest is from Murray, Kentucky. 
Srivishal. I think I got that right or close. If I got it wrong, let us know. We want to get everyone's names right for sure. But great to have you here. Tuned in via LinkedIn. Delilah, good morning from Vero Beach, Florida. Greg, do you think that's the same Delilah that, that hosts that very popular evening radio talk show every day? What are the chances? I don't know. I, I have no, I've, I haven't listened to the radio in like seven years, so I have no idea what's on the radio these days. <laughs> well, Delilah, regardless, great to have you here from beautiful Florida. Jonathan's tuned in from New Jersey. Speaking New Jersey, big shout out to our production team, Chantel, who hails from New Jersey as well. Amanda. How about Catherine. that? We had a Walschlager uh, spelled slightly different from Texas. Really? Remember that? Jo- How about- uh, I, can, I cannot remember his first name, but hmm. he was frequently on the show too. Probably, probably related, but like many people misspelled at Ellis Island. Mm. One of them was. Okay. So we got a little, you know, Murphy's law is live and well with anything live these days. We're getting some Especially feedback on LinkedIn. Yep. LinkedIn has not played really nice in the sandbox lately, but Hey, there's a bunch of hardworking technologists that are getting, that are working to uh, figure it all out. So James and Jerry, I think they can hear what, what we're saying, but they can't see us. So we're looking into uh, StreamYard, reaching out to our providers there, and we'll get it fixed. You could also take a look at the feed on YouTube, Twitter, or Periscope, feed, oh, uh, Facebook, or Twitch. That is a great one. Try getting the feed elsewhere. That's a great call out. So LinkedIn is just, as Greg suggests, is just one of five places you can uh, tune in. So LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch. YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. That's what I was missing. I was it's funny we remember Twitch because neither one of us are gamers. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. But if you but, want to be gaming, like playing a game and watching us down in the lower corner, you could do that. You could do that. And people multitask in certainly in a cross global supply chain. But the folks that do that the best, perhaps, are folks that are data driven supply chain super competitors. And that's oh, what the good segue, Scott. <laughs> that's the name of the game today. And yes, the replay will be available, so we'll get past any technical glitches we have. But nevertheless, let's bring in our guest here today, Jill O'Dell, Vice President of Strategy and Industrial Engineering at UPS Global Freight Forty. Hello, Jill. Good afternoon. How are you? Doing wonderful. Doing even better now that you're with us. Glad to be here. Welcome aboard. So uh, we've really enjoyed our pre-show conversations. You're quite the dynamo when it comes to a variety of different aspects of supply chain. And Greg, we connected the dots and figured out that she right. is great friends with one of our favorites here at Supply Chain Now. Yes, Andrea Bellamy. Andrea Bellamy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jill, great to have you here on Supply Chain Now. Where, Greg, hmm, where are we starting with Jill O'Dell on today's conversation? Well, we, would sh- we should start with what an appropriate last name for St. Patrick's Day visit. I don't Me know if that was... foot five Irish husband, yes. <laughs> six foot five, holy mackerel. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Red hair. Um, well, well, as you've probably learned, uh, like any good Irish family, there are a couple things that matter. I'm going to stick to the food side of it, but also we hear you're quite the global traveler, so... Tell us a, a little bit about maybe a couple of your favorite places to visit and any favorite places to dine or foods, any of their cultural foods that you love. So I've, I've been very fortunate. I've been all over the place. Uh, I'm about seven. I got five of the continents done. I, I got to get to Africa. That's that's the next one on the list, hopefully. Uh, but as far as my place, I like to go to the places that are different. You know, I, I, I've been to Singapore, Dubai, you know, all of those major metro places. But, you know, the place that really struck me was Indonesia. I was it's work in Surabaya and conveniently had a weekend to spend in Bali, which I'll never complain about. And wow. um, yeah, it, it's gorgeous. And it's the culture so different. The people are so different. It, it truly is a different world. You know, so often you go to these places and, you know, after a while, they're all very shiny and Dubai is very shiny and Singapore is very clean and all those great things. But I like to really feel the culture when I'm traveling. And, and mm-hmm. in Indonesia, there is no not feeling the culture. <laughs> it's everywhere you look. So I love that. It's, now, I will say I didn't love the food in Indonesia. Some of it was okay. For food, I'm all about Latin America. Mexico mm. street tacos, empanadas, arepas, you name it. I am all yep. about the food in South America and Latin America. It's, it's, I lived in Colombia for a year when I was young. And 
So I, I've, I'm, that's, that's my homeland when it comes to food. Get me some Mexican street tacos every time. <laughs> Sounds delicious, Greg, huh? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, what, it's what Mexico is famous for, and it's attempted all around the world, but nothing not the same. is the same, especially as Mexico City mm -hmm. street tacos. Yeah, mm. it's great. I have a little place I go to almost every time, and it's, it's just fantastic. Tiny little dive of a place, but I'll take Don't it. Don't tell people. No. <laughs> I'd have to wait in line. If I had to. I'm, I'm the driving down there is a mess. But <laughs> Those are the best places. Those are absolutely the best places. Yeah. Well, quick update, folks. We're talking with the folks from StreamYard. We're still having a few folks that aren't able to connect. Uh, the good news is the full replay is going to be made available early next week. And we'll have Jill come back with us. You know, uh, As Greg mentioned, there's been some connectivity issues between our platform and, and LinkedIn in particular. We'll get it worked out. Greg, you are going to say something? Also, some corporate VPNs hate to let this stream through. We've had That's that problem point. with big corporate VPNs as well. So... Not that I would ever suggest that you usurp <laughs> your VPN, but you might try a personal device. Right. Hey, Donna says she is on the team, quarterback maybe for the team, Team Street Tacos. I'm with you, Donna. I'm with <laughs> you as better. well. Okay. Well, let's let's get into the topic of today's conversation, which is going to be all about how to become a data-driven supply chain super competitor. And Jill, we have really enjoyed our warm-up conversations as we've been kind of pulling expertise uh, from your experience and your point of view. So today, let's start with the, the early key steps. We've identified three, maybe four, kind of depending on how we, how we categorize it. But where do we start, Jill? You know, finding the data. I've talked to so many of our customers who are global organizations, and probably the most consistent thing is I can't get the data from my plants, my vendors, my, you know, my suppliers, whomever it may be. And that's, I think that the, you know, you invest in data, it's an investment, right? And, and the, in my opinion, the, the payback is tremendous. And so finding those data sources, I, I tell people all the time, give it to me in crayon. I don't care. I'll make it that way. <laughs> you know, and, and I believe that, right? I can hire people to go code, you know, type in information that's manual if it gets me good data. Right. And so, yep. you know, one thing I hear a lot is everybody wants it to be all, pre-made and ready, but unfortunately that's the investment part. You, you know, it has to get there. And when you have so many disconnected data sources, which is just the name of the game today, between the number of vendors and the way the supply chains are organized these days, it's, you know, it's not unusual to have 20, 30 vendors in a, in a situation where you've got to get information from them. And right. the, the, the magic comes when you can sync all that together. So that that teases up for step two, but really quick, folks, I've been told if you refresh the screen, everything should be working now. So uh, take a minute, refresh and, and join us for the rest of the conversation here with Jill Adele. So Greg, she said, I don't care. Just get it to me. I don't care if it's in crayon, uh, you name it, pastels, whatever. If you want to paint it on, I just need to see what we're looking at here. Greg, your thoughts. Well, it makes me harken back. So I'm a retailer by trade, right? It makes me harken back to the days when we used to get the data by fax machine and then have mm -hmm. people key it in. Relax, so, which, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Fax machine is today's crayon, basically. Mm -hmm. If anyone still has any, <laughs> at least they're right. often more legible than, than crayons. But it's true. Get the data in whatever form you can to your trading partners and then most, especially companies with the means like UPS has, they can deal with it, figure out how to collate it and make it useful to That's them. That's right. And there's technologies out there to help you. Optical character recognition, you know, I mean, there's always the pound the keyboard people who are just sitting there typing, but you know, <laughs> right. and even that's manageable if it's, you know, for your smaller situations to get you a better data set. Excellent yeah. point. Excellent. Yeah. Point. That's, re that's really a good point because there are, even if you have to send it in a PDF, Mm -hmm. Right. There are devices. There's technology now that can just read that and figure it out. It's amazing. Amazing where we are. Hey, really quick. I'm going to share a couple of uh, comments here. Uh, James, you're back on it. Thank you for your perseverance there. Great to have you here today. Ahmad tuned in from Calgary via LinkedIn. Great to have you here, Ahmad. Uh, get this, Jill. Bo says great to be on your team. Jill. <laughs> yeah, hi, Bo. <laughs> awesome. Great to have you here, Bo. Uh, Greg, Shrenevis is back with us. Shrenevis, great All to right. see you here today. Uh, thanks so much for joining. And then one final one, Delano. I think I got that right. This one works. I love you guys. Supply Chain Now Talks. Hey, thanks for that. 
really appreciate it. Smart people like Jill and Greg make us all look smart, which is a good good way to be. <laughs> okay. Maybe he so. makes us look smart, Jill. That <laughs> works. I'll take it. <laughs> all right. So we've established the first step. You gotta you gotta find the data. You gotta get it, get it into the right hands. But then, Jill, what do we do next? Then you gotta harmonize it, right? And, and we were, you know, we were talking about that a little bit earlier. You know, some people may call it a customs entry. Some people may call it a, a filing. Some people may call it a dossier, whatever that language is. And again, this is where the investment comes in, getting that mm -hmm. harmonized language so that, you know, once you know, if you think of it as an Excel spreadsheet, right, it, once you get those columns lined out and you know which data to map to what field, then game on, right? right? That, that's the most important part. And like I said, that's where the investment comes in, conversations with the people providing the data. What does this mean to you? What does this provide to you? And being making sure you understand it, making those assumptions can can be a, a bit of a rabbit hole sometimes. Agreed. Now, Greg, one of our favorite terms around here is harmonize, right? Mm -hmm. Harmonization. And always what name do you I, think of when you hear that word? <laughs> oh, it's easy. It's always the same one. It is ebony and ivory with uh, <laughs> who the Paul McCartney oh, on, Stevie. and Stevie, Stevie Wonder. Wonder. Yep. Yes. Right. Sorry. I didn't have enough oh, coffee okay. this morning, but that's where my brain always goes when we talk about harmonize. We you know where little, mine goes? What? Donuts. <laughs> Donuts. Now, who do you think of? <laughs> oh, our friends at Verison for sure. Yeah, of uh, course. Uh, Daryl. Daryl. Uh, yeah, Daryl Lou. <laughs> so, Jill, Daryl Lou, as Greg's talking about, has come up with a scientific methodology of evaluating donuts, and, and it's serious work, data-driven. <laughs> that's that's um, awesome. It is very, and... Because data harmonization is what he does in his career, not to get us too far off track, but he's a very, you know, very intensive, intense and intensive analyst right. of data. So, Well, now bringing it full circle, Jill, our heavy hitting research team gave us a little factoid that your son, I believe, is a musician. He so is. harmonization, what, 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 does your son, what does your son play? He plays the bass along with some other things, but primarily in his band, he plays the bass. They just hit their first song with a million listens on Spotify the other day. Wow. wow. Yeah, they, wanna, they really are good. Do you want to share it? Why I'm not? Partial. Aunt Anna, could you help me out? She, uh, she'll have the link for us. But uh, yeah, it's a band called Refractions. You okay. can reach them out on Spotify. But yes, I'm obviously a little partial, but apparently a million other people didn't mind listening to it either. Wonderful. Wow. Refractions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is really cool. Well, let's drop that link if we can. Uh, Anna, please, thanks for your help. Anna, please drop that in there so I don't leave the leave the feed. To go listen. To <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So let's let's keep going down this path because because really that's step two, yeah. right? Harmonizing, synergizing the data. Tell us more about that, Jill. So you know, once you once you understand what that data is, I remember I worked on a project down in Mexico several years ago. And that's exactly what we were doing. And those mapping conversations were invaluable. They took a lot of time, but now we have really good solid data. We know exactly what's what, and now it's very repeatable. Mm. And now it's just automatic. Once you spend that investment up front, you get that repeatable model and then you're able to make decisions, right? And that's, that's the most important part of data, right? Data for data's sake doesn't matter. Mm. Data for decision-making is, is where it matters. And so, you know, as much as is physically possible, getting that end-to-end -end data from the time the product is created through post sales. So returns and, you know, what mm -hmm. is the customer feedback and all of those things, getting that true end-to-end -end helps your marketing teams. It helps your cash flows. It helps your inventory management, everything along the way. Mm. So, uh, you know, for me, that's really where the, like I said, that's where the magic happens. Once you can get all that data into it. And there's a lot of companies, you know, some people, again, think it has to be, you know, very, uh, a huge financial investment. There are companies out there that will take care of your data. You can send them 17 data sources and they can get it synced up into a, a dashboard type of format that will, we use the, the big phrase we're using these days is democratize. We want to mm. democratize that data. So everybody's able to go get it in the way that they need it without IT intervention, without, you know, having to manage all kinds of different little login accesses and all those things. And so for me, that's, that's really where the future is being mm. able to put information on somebody's cell phone or on somebody's desktop right there in front of them that they're very easy to move around and manage so that they can do that. And there's like, I said, there's several companies out there that provide that. 
Greg, first of several t-shirtisms here, data for data's sake doesn't matter. Data for decision-making is what matters. I love that. Uh, Greg, yep. your follow-up thoughts. So we're hearing a lot of that lately. And I think that's really important is that people recognize that the decision doesn't come from the data. It comes from determining the outcome that you desire and then utilizing data as the tool to give you that outcome or that information or that decision-making guidance, or even so, so much technology today, as Jill's talked about, can even guide or offer that decision based on the data analysis that is done. So right, right. we can get a long way with data if we use it the right way. Hmm. So I'm going to take a couple quick comments and we've got a couple comments already suggesting our, our step three, which is great. We got a very smart, brilliant audience always have T squared says great and timely topic. Data is always a business's soup of the day. How about that? T squared. I love that. Katie, great to see you here. Tuned in via LinkedIn. Let us know where you're tuned in from. Harish is uh, pursuing supply chain management post-graduation. So I hope you do find this conversation insightful. Great to have you here today with us. James, two important things, data and communication, especially in these fast-changing times we live in right now. Ikamafuna, great to have you back with us here today uh, via LinkedIn. Remind us where you're tuned in from. And then finally, T-squared is on my, oh, actually, actually, got two more. Memory, great to have you back. Memory says data outputs depend on the quality of the inputs. That's right. That investment up front, making sure you know what you're getting and what it means, that's that's the key. I love it. Man, Memory, you've been on fire lately. Great to have you. Anna is on there the spot with <laughs> refractions. So y'all check that out. A million listens. Holy cow. They must be talented. And then finally, here's our little segue. T-squared on the money. But then you got to clean it up and get it to its needed users in a timely manner. Otherwise, the data, well, it's useless and valueless. So that takes us right into step three, Jill. Tell us more. Yeah. So, you know, once you get that information and exactly like the comment said, you know, you know, it's clean, you know what it reflects, then you're able to start getting it into something that you can use, you know, distributing it, whatever mechanism works. Again, there's a lot of tools out on the market for that. And, and so, you know, then at that point, you're able to start enabling decision making. And, mm. you know, the one gentleman mentioned it, you know, it's, it's communication and data. Right. You know, data is a great leveler. You know, you may think that one thing is, you know, this way or that way perceptually. But, you know, really, when you look at the data, you go, oh, well, wait, it's over here. Or it's over there. Or it's smack in the middle where it should be. And it's not a problem after all. And so, you know, being able to, to leverage that data and then put a, a logic to it, like you said, Greg, you know, you got to put a logic to it afterwards. Talk to people about the information. Mm. Make sure it's, you know, everybody understands what it's saying and it's reflective of the real situation. Because if you don't do that, that sync afterwards, you know, then again, you, you could go down a, a path you don't intend to. And uh, but really quick, and those paths can be extremely costly. It can yeah. burn your team out. Can, you could waste a ton of resources and lose a lot of time where the organization should be, uh, the path they should be on, right? That's right. Hmm. So from my side, you know, once you have that, then you can start driving things. And, and the thing that, you know, I find really interesting from a, from a manufacturer or a seller perspective is, is your inventory. You know, right now in the supply chain, the market we have, which, you know, for any of us who've been here any length of time, it's crazier than it's ever been. I've been doing this 25, almost 30 years. And, and this is insanity, right? But by being able to have better data all the way up front, from the time you're issuing the purchase order, the time you're creating the product, to have those forecasts and have that information so that you can tell me as a forwarder, hey, six months from now, I'm going to have a thousand containers. We can start working in all four, you know, we can start working with you to start planning those things out. Make sure you have that space on those vessels, the space on that flips. And, and, and that being able to then manage your inventory, make sure it shows up at your plant when it needs to, not too early, not too late. Right. And, and make sure that, you know, everything downstream happens on mm. time and the way you need it to and in a cost efficient way. Love that. And it sounds simple and a lot of folks in our audience will know it, but a handful of folks may not appreciate things getting there early can be just as bad as things getting there late. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The cost um, of inventory is going to be tremendous. Yeah. Excellent point, Jill. All right. So Greg, I know you're itching to get in here when we talk about uh, how we're using clean data at step three. What else would you add, Greg? Well, you know, it, uh, this is a, maybe a little bit different angle on this topic, but it, it makes me harken back to the days. And since Jill, you're a 
OG in supply chain. You've probably <laughs> experienced this. Back to the days when all analytics and reporting and data was used for was to determine how you had hurt the company today. How did you fail the company yesterday? Right. right? And I think that, that all of what, Jill, you're talking about allows us to get in front of all that. Data can be useful, useful as a predictive mechanism or in predictive mechanisms to help us avoid um, conflagration and conflict. And, the, and, you know, the more that we think about it from that perspective, how do we use data, cleanse data, harmonize it, even find it to allow us to use it as a predictive mechanism? That is more and more the outcome that people need to be thinking about as data, uh, as data's most useful value, not as a quote unquote report. A reports usually look yeah. into the past, right? And those looks into the past. I can tell you, I've been on both ends of those. They're never pleasant. <laughs> TPS reports. That's All right. right. <laughs> so, <could>. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need you to come in on Saturday, uh, Jill right. and Greg. Yeah, um, exactly. All right. So I'll take a couple quick comments here. So Ikamafuna is tuned in from Ottawa. I knew that, but thank you for reminding me. Great to have you here. Uh, James is adding uh, data is a symptom a symptom of the system you design. In regards to decision-making, it is a check on your design. Getting it to the right people so people can make the right decision at echelon and space-time. Bad design or inputs will have issues. That's Excellent right. point. Let me, I like the word consequence over symptom, but I know what he's trying to communicate here. It's, it's the result of however you design your processes Right. And and how you measure them. So you have to be really careful with with that. But yes. even data from a bad design will give you data that proves it's a bad design, <laughs> which is helpful. Or, right? or it won't give you the data that you need to to prove that it's a good design. Right. So I'm going to add memories thing here. But, you know, that's what I was just going to say, too. Go ahead, Scott. <laughs> Speaking of words we like, hearken. I haven't heard the word hearken in quite some time, Greg. Did that I is, say that? You did. It's like <laughs> little William Shakespeare working today. Wow. All right. So memory again, right on the money here. Uh, and Jill speak to this, but she says, correct me if I'm wrong, but simplifying, da simplifying data makes it accessible and practical to users at all levels of the company. Jill? You know, you're absolutely right. I, I talk about this all the time. You know, you almost have to pull in all the way down from the grain of salt. Right. And especially as you go up in the organization or up in a, in a supply chain, you know, it's, it's more and more important that you really key in on those key factors that are going to drive the changes that you're looking to drive. And, and memory, you're exactly right. It has to be consumable. And if you don't have the right tool, you know, to do that, it's going to be a challenge. You, throwing mountains of data at anybody is not going to be consumable. So, Jill, we're losing you a little bit. Uh, it could be, you know, I think March Madness tipped off a little while ago, and I bet everybody and their sister and brother is streaming right now. That may be kind of halfway kid and halfway not. That could be impacting us. But, Jill, I'm going to give you a chance. I think we've got you back clear now. Uh, we, call it the, we call it the tail end of that, Jill, where you said memory is absolutely right. But could you give us – can you just uh, share your answer one more time to that? Sure. I'm sure that's the part she likes. Um, so, <laughs> but, yeah, she's right. If, if information isn't consumable – then, it, you know, it, it's useless. Again, it's, it's kind of what we've been saying this throughout, right? So you have to boil down into those key elements that really drive decisions, whatever they may be. So making sure that, you know, you have those core factors that will make the help you make the best decisions. And some of that's trial and error. Right. Some of that's talking to the stakeholders and understanding what pieces help them drive a decision. Uh, but, you know, you're absolutely right. You have to simplify that data. But it, it's, it really is boiling the ocean because it, it's taking a lot of information and figuring out how to make it consumable. Yep. You know, uh, really quick aside, and we're going to get a couple more comments, including one that says Greg nailed it. The Greg, that's always good to hear. But, you know, when, it, when I was in Air Force, we would, you know, all these maintenance actions that were taking that, that uh, take place on our aircraft. Well, all every single thing, even if you're cleaning the windshield, gets documented and put into this massive database and our team would run a tons and tons of reports, bring all that data down, but pick and choose, uh, ensure data integrity, but then pick and choose what we share with the maintenance team. So we don't overwhelm them with a tidal wave of data, but the right data that they need to act on or be prepared, you know, get out in the head of, um, of certain maintenance issues and whatnot. But that's, you know, it's, it's so easy these days, especially with what's at our fingertips 
to just overwhelm folks with a lot of inf mm -hmm. information or data that don't even need. It's, it's almost irrelevant. And it, yeah, the, it, it takes attention away from what is important and those signals, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's share a couple comments and then we're going to, we're going to kind of ask Jill, what all, what does all this get us? Uh, she's kind of spoken to that a little bit. We're going to expound a little more on that. Uh, Eric, great to see you here today via LinkedIn. Uh, he says, measuring the metrics of the data quality is a big issue. Getting coordinators to put the right data in is actually more important than the amount of time that they take to put the data in. Absolutely. Excellent point there. James says, Greg nailed it. Reports and data are from the past. So time travel is a thing, evidently. I'm not sure who this user is, but let us know if we could, uh, Amanda and team, Data is a precious thing and will last longer than the systems themselves. That was Tim Berners-Lee that said yeah. that. Really true. And I think it, I mean, that does go to the point that you don't use data just once. You can go back and learn from data again and again and again. If it is, as as Jill has said, if it you've found it, you've synchronized it, and and you've made it usable, then then you can continue to go back to it and learn what it's telling you with the augmentation of new data or different processes. Well, so history does repeat itself, right? I'm a huge history buff and, and history does repeat itself. So if you have the information of what happened when we maybe tried this before, you can leverage that to then say, okay, what do we change this time to make it better? Mm, excellent point. But Greg, going back to what you said, uh, data is a gift that keeps on giving. It's kind of like the jelly the month club is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Y'all speak to, and I believe this was Noam Apple. Noam Eppel with the Morpheus Network, I think is who this shared. So Noam, great to have you here and congrats because your your company uh, is one of our nominees for our Supply Chain and Procurement Awards. And then finally, Amrit is tuned in from Toronto. Great to have you here via LinkedIn. Quick question from James, Jill. If I can get, we're going to, if you could address this one, I'll, I'll read it off and then we'll move into what's all this get us. So James says, I'd love to hear Jill's thoughts on how to synchronize data between organizations, Jill. So my, I don't know if my answer is going to surprise you or not. Uh, for me, it starts with the contract, right? Whatever the contract is, as much as possible, I work to put my data requirements in there. So there's a, a legal hard obligation for the, the vendors that we work with. Because you can imagine, we work with vendors all over the world, every mode of transport. And you know, as much as physically possible, we put that requirement out there up front. Mm. You must feed us data this way. You must allow us to access data in whatever way. And as much as you can starting these relationships to, to get that data together, it, it obviously helps, right? It saves you time downstream. It's not always possible. Of course, it depends on the situation, but as much as you can put it in the contract, that that's always my big thing. Cause I, I, I work with a lot of contracts and you know, that's the, the very first thing is metrics. My, my team honestly gets a little tired of hearing me, but I, I am all about the metrics. You know, what is it that we're expecting from them and what is the, the KPI to that? And, and then, you know, that helps downstream as much as we can get that upfront. I love that. Those upfront contracts, formal and otherwise, are so critically important. Greg, your quick comment, and then we're going to keep driving. It is a surprise, I'm sure, to a big part of our audience to think even know that you could that you could include that in a contract, but you absolutely should. And particularly in the areas of the marketplace that Jill works in, because if it ain't in the contract, it don't that happen. Yeah. That's right. That's, I mean, that's something I've worked and, and that's a quote from uh, a friend who owns a, a transportation company in Kansas city. And, and as Jill knows as well, sometimes even if it is in the contract, it don't happen. Um, so, but data is not, data has not been one of those things. It's usually on, it's usually timely delivery. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but in any case, the, I think that's a really valuable thing to think about it and should be a revelation. And I'm sure is a revelation for a lot of companies to include it in your agreements with your trading partners to say, this is what we must have to provide that. I've worked with a number of companies who have contracted that. And I, even I did not think of of that as the, the key, but it is absolutely the key. Make it a legal obligation, just like paying the POs. Yes. And then of course, and we won't, we won't dive in this, but who owns the data, right? These days that, that there's lots of conversations going around that. Yeah. Let's uh, really quick. Katie says like the old adage, knowledge is power. A well-sourced data set is worth its weight in gold. Thank you for all your thoughts and expertise this morning. Great to see you here, Katie. All right. So Jill, we've got to, uh, there's so much I knew. So we I knew know Katie's this. in the, Katie is in the central time zone at, at 
the farthest east, right? Because she said good morning. <laughs> so, yeah, so Jill, don't scoot over. And Jill's, Jill's 10 minutes from I'm this. like right away, yeah, right from the line. <laughs> so Jill, I, I knew that, you know, all I think all three of us are very passionate about uh, this topic and data and kind of it's fascinating to kind of see how organizations and, and just industry, where we are today when it comes to data and the right data and taking actionable data. But what is all this? So if you follow those three steps and we follow Jill O'Dell's advice, on how to become a, a data-driven supply chain super competitor, what does all that get us? It, it gets you everything, right? It gets you better inventory controls, right? Cost of inventory is so high, especially with some of the transits we're seeing, particularly in the ocean world right now. You know, that, that cost of inventory, everybody needs to keep that low. And so, you know, that's for me, you know, an area that I know our customers are constantly focused on. How can I manage it so it's there in time, not early, not late? It's a, it's a constant conversation with us and our customers. And, you know, again, that forecasting, it, it all comes down to forecasting, right? That data feeds your forecast, feeds your inventory, feeds your receivables at the end of the day, right? Because if you forecasted well and everything moves on time, you're going to get paid faster. Mm. And so, you know, to me, that's, that's where the, all that gets you. If you can do that right, you get better market insights, you get better for, you know, project product development, then the forecasting, then the inventory, then the cash. Wonderful. And we're going to, I think you've got some, uh, some kind of some use cases, some experiences we're going to dive into in just a second, but Hey, memory says the way Scott keeps driving, we'll make it to the moon. Hey, that's the plan. We can talk about space supply chain, but memory, I tell you, Greg, if you recall, one of the t-shirt isms she's brought and Jill's brought a bunch, a truckload of t-shirt isms. Memory said the other day, an informed consumer makes informed decisions. And that is so apropos to what we're talking about here today, right? Because back to what Katie talked about, the old adage, knowledge is power. Okay, Greg, your quick commentary, and then we're going to keep, uh, we're going to get some stories uh, from Jill's journey. I think, you know, we the most important thing I've heard here consistently is the the way that we accumulate data, with whom we share it, the obligations that we put on our trading partners to share it. And knowing the outcomes that we want for this data, those are the critical keys. Frankly, I love that there's that we're getting a three-step process, right? Of course, there are a lot of interim steps and a lot of little nuances here, but the, the, this three-step process is, is uh, simple, it's easy to follow, and it's a great at least starting point for yes. a process for how to how to actually capitalize on data, whether it's internal or inter enterprise. Yeah. Excellent Find point. It, I, it, use it. Yes. Yes. And get it and do that as much as you can on your own because I bet Jill's consulting fees <laughs> are, are very competitive. So well, I, but, I think uh I think also, you know, the ability to accept it via crayon becomes a really, really important. <laughs> I, I mean yes. virtual crayon, whatever that is right. in your that world. Is- Hand, I mean, Just you know, out of Asia, you know, a lot of those countries still are handwriting things. Right. You know, we take get waybills that are handwritten every day. Yes. Yeah. Well, you, it, it makes me think, you know, we we're talking about refractions in your son's band, you know, come as you are. I think that Nirvana saying that, and, and that's kind of what I'm hearing here. Send me whatever the current state is. Just send it to me. We'll, we'll, we'll work through it. That's right. Okay. So Jill, back to. Uh, kind of story time, supply chain story time. Tell us about some examples you've seen that folks follow these best practices and some of the things we're talking about. The first time that this really hit my radar and, and I really felt like, ah, they got it, was a customer I worked with a handful of years ago. And they what they did was they pulled that end-to-end data from beginning to end, and they they had a very good tool. And what they were able to realize through that data is they were they were shipping goods from China to the U.S., they realized through their information that they were getting a tax break in the Dominican Republic. So they used, they, out of all this information, they were realized that if they sold the, the, the materials to the Dominican Republic, they got a huge tax break and then they still drop shipped it. The shipment itself didn't change how the transit moved, but they were able to get this tax advantage by shipping it, selling it to the Dominican Republic and then turning around and selling it to the U S all very legal. And obviously I'm not a tax person, but you know, but they, you know, they were really able to save a tremendous wow. amount of money by doing that. And I, I, again, I don't know all the tax rules, but, but again, they had all the right players. They had all the right information and they were able to really redesign their supply chain. One thing this company did that was very good was before they decided where they were going to source a good, 
They looked at the customs taxes on export. They looked at the customs taxes on import. How are they going to flow all of that? It's not just about transportation. It, it's about, you know, how is your source going to work? What mm. tax incentives can you get by routing something one way or another? That, you know, that's one example of a company I think did an excellent, excellent job so, in how they manage that. So let, let's get, Greg, I'm going to get your take really quick. Cause you know, if it's in your blind side, right. Uh, and if the data, some of the data is in the blind side as well, the opportunities to, to drive savings, to drive gains and efficiencies, I mean, it, it, they're invisible. Uh, but speak to what uh, Jill just shared there, Greg. I think that goes to including your entire organization into how you manage your data. You know what it made me think of immediately is the now defunct double Irish Dutch sandwich, the way that a lot of technology companies structured their company to optimize their tax <laughs> obligations by having an entity in Ireland, in the Netherlands, and in Bermuda when most of their operations are in the United States and that helped them optimize their tax obligations. And I think, and you know, they use incredible amounts of resources to do that, lawyers and accountants and whoever else. And I think it probably, you know, it definitely identifies that with that data, you can benefit not just your supply chain operations, but your finance and probably legal operations as well. And of course, your trading partners. Mm. And anytime you can offer a benefit to your trading partners with uh, more data, the better off that you are. I think back to when we would demand certain things of our suppliers, Union Carbide, who made Prestone when I was in the auto parts industry. Mm we would make demands of them on, on first pass fulfillment and all these things. And they, it was very hard for them, particularly when the mysterious plant shut down from an explosion happened every year. Wow. And, but we identified that they could make an extra $2 million and we could make an extra million dollars mm. if, if they adhered to that by using data. So if you can motivate people with that data, it's incredibly valuable. So motivating your suppliers and customers, but also Jill, what I'm hearing you both speak to is how you can build trust with sharing, you know, the right data and 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 the transparency that comes with that and and the finding the mutual finding of opportunities. Uh, but Jill, respond to that or tell us. Um, I know you you've got no shortage of stories and experiences. Yeah. What else would you like to share? Well, like you said, transparency is key. You know, as much information as you can share. You know, we're working with customers right now on what are they, you know, it's March. I'm amazed this year, probably more than any other, at how much I'm already talking about 2023. And we're sitting down with customers and talking about what are they going to do in 2023 mm. so that we know where we want to go get space. We know what, and, you know, they're being very transparent with us because I think probably more than ever because of the, the situation. And they understand that the more they tell us, the, like you said, the more we can help them. And I think transparency is really important. Like I said, we, we sat down with one of our customers recently and we're going through their three to five year projections even, you know, so that, you know, it, you know, UPS being an airline, if we need to go buy a plane for a certain, you know, we can look at that and understand that and, and understanding where our customers are looking to grow, what lanes should we look at? It helps us support them downstream. Hmm. Love that. Okay. Probably talking about 2023 now because of the length of lead times right that's now. That's right. Exactly. We want to get it in 2023. They're going to have to order it right now. That's well, you know, I say that all the time because you guys, we were talking about this earlier. I have buildings and facilities uh, responsibility and we're only working on 2023 leases because wow. it's right. taking so long to get things. Wow. You know, our dear friend, Allison Greg, that does some co-hosting with us, a couple of years ago, she was Facebook. She had like this Facebook story building updates of her, I think it was a couch or a dining room table. And it was really interesting. I mean, she, she put a humor spin on it, but it was really interesting. The updates she would get, and she'd kind of share. It was quite, quite a uh, adventure. Um, okay. So Jill, I wish we had a couple more hours with you here today. There's so much you bring to the table that we want to share, but I want to add a little bonus question. We've got a couple of resources we're going to share with folks here in just a minute and make sure folks also know how to connect with you uh, after today. But we, we're, you're also passionate beyond traveling, food, music, and data. You're also really passionate about engaging our team members, right? Wherever they are. So have you seen, is, is there a, um, like a go-to employee engagement uh, technique you've seen that, that's really worked really well? 
You know, I, I had a little bit of an advantage when the coronavirus hit because I had been managing virtual teams for quite a while. And so many, many years. And the, the thing, I think there's a, two big things. One, you have to personally care, right? If your employees understand or your team understands how much you personally care about their situation, about their workload, about whatever, hmm. um, I, I, that to me drives engagement. And as we've moved to a permanent, you know, a more permanent work from home or a long-term work from home scenario or some sort of hybrid thereof, you know, the spending that time, the thing you lose, in my opinion, in, in a work from home is that coffee hour time, mm. right? The, the water cooler time where, where you don't sit down and talk about the kids or talk about, you know, whatever, you know, the garage sale you went to last week or whatever. <laughs> and, and so, you know, spending that time, I, I meet with my team. I've, I have a team all over the world. Um, I meet with them every week, every two weeks, uh, depending on the situation. And I spend probably 15, 20 minutes um, just talking, just mm. chatting. How are you? How's things going? How's your family? Because it helps them feel more connected. And it helps me feel connected to them. And then it makes it easier to care, which makes it easier to engage. And then there's this hopefully domino effect that, that right. is in a good place. And it's, it's fueled by what I'm picking up with you just in today's conversations, some of the uh, pre-show conversations, that authenticity, it comes from a very genuine place. And I think yeah. that's a, a big part of it because folks, you know, folks are smart that they can see through any, yeah, any you know, shallow efforts. Greg, I know this resonates with you as a, um, as leader of, of a variety of organizations. What's, what's important for folks to take away here? I think that the important thing is it has to be genuine. You can't, fake caring about your people. And, and, uh, you know, to that point, by the way, I mean, so I was the person, I was that annoying person, even when I was CEO <laughs> who walked in and went to everyone's desk mm -hmm. every single day, we'll just say to say something, not for any other reason than I just wanted, I just felt compelled to mm -hmm. speak to them and maybe, maybe was curious about what was going on, or, you know, we may have even had an initiative or not, but and I agree. I think we miss a lot of that. Not only do we miss a lot of human contact and a lot of engagement, but you can get an idea that could change the company from a discussion about the, you know, the the car wash this weekend or the garage sale that you went to. Those are epiphanal moments that only happen in person. And I think that's, that's right. so very powerful. But that gen the genuine nature of that is is critical. So if it's not you as a person, it should be someone else in your organization as a delegate yeah. to Excellent make point. sure, you know, to make sure that there is someone that is that empathic and engaged to to work with the folks uh, within your organization. And there's no shame if it's not you, but right. it has to be someone. Yeah, such a great point, both of y'all. I really appreciate we took the time to throw this bonus question in. I am going to share we get points for it because yeah, I think no, it's I really it. we're going to do street tacos. We all talk about after <laughs> street tacos after the live stream. I'm, in. Um, I'm going to share a couple of uh, really quick before I share a couple of comments and then we're going to get to some of these resources that, that Jill, you and your team offered up um, Slack. Don't laugh just yet. But Slack, when I first started using Slack, I'm like, man, it's like one more application, you know, but really to your point about this, the, the coffee uh, chat moments, the way that Slack has offered that electronically and and uh, and not just burden people with more text or emails, it's just a, got a different vibe. That's been really cool. Uh, and it's really offered up some of those non-work moments and, and sense of humor, you know, jokes and stuff that you can miss uh, via uh, even text and emails. So, y'all, if you're not using Slack, check that out. It's a great, great tool. Okay. You know, they're trying to do that with the metaverse. Really? They're trying to introduce yeah. that to companies to allow them to have those virtual coffee ah, talks. Mm -hmm. um, I love that. Yeah. I'm a little bit creeped out by the metaverse, frankly. <laughs> I but... actually attended my first metaverse meeting two weeks ago. Really? What did you it think? Was very bizarre. Like, honest, <laughs> honestly, I felt like I was in a video game and I'm not a video game person. I, I don't have my head around it. I'll be honest, but, but yeah, it, it was surreal. Let's just say so, that. <laughs> so I wonder, well, we there you go. <laughs> I wonder... So they're accomplishing what they were after. Right? Yeah. I wonder if we're going to look back at this conversation 30 years from now, kind of like what we look at now. There's a Today Show clip from the early 90s, and they were talking to the producers about what is email, and they were kind of all just hadn't figured it out. I wonder if folks are going to be laughing at us and, and what we think of the metaverse here today. Who knows? Um, well, in 30 years, I won't give a damn because I'll either be dead <laughs> or too old to care. Okay. <laughs> 
All right. Let's, let's share a couple quick comments. Let's see here. So, uh, Chetley, great to see you here today. You've been with us on previous live streams. Says trust, partnership, cooperation, coordination, mutual goals, buyer supplier relationship, transparency, knowledge transfer, and information sharing all provide a huge opportunity for any supply chain to be at the top level. Man, I don't think he missed uh, too much there. And all started with just three steps. I mean, that's yes. a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of value offered with just three steps. Excellent right? point. I think that's, that's an important thing. It's easier than you think it is. Yeah. Yes. James Benton, you also can't fake caring about customers either. Excellent point. And caring about their supplier or caring about all suppliers. People. Right. right. We call them, we, we have all these names for them. We should just call them the people who supply us, but that's a lot of words yes. or the people that we sell to. Right. Because right? it's true. They're all just people. You have to care about all of them. Mm -hmm. That's right. Kelly says, or fake it till you make it. That's a phrase that a lot I've of folks people do that. And it, it can be effective as long as you're not a sociopath. And hi, Kelly, because I know Kelly from way back. <laughs> oh, do you? <laughs> Josh says Slack was a game changer for us as well. It helped COVID navigation during work from home sections. That's a great point, Josh. And that's exactly what I was thinking in my mind, too. Memory says too old to care. She liked that comment from you uh, earlier, Greg. Okay, so let's get into, we like offering resources and your, your team here has got a couple of different resources I want to share. I want to start with, we just missed, some of the folks may have attended, but if you didn't, you just missed the third supply chain virtual connect that was on March 9th. Uh, Ron Jordan with UPS joined us to talk about that a, a week or so ago. It sounded like by all accounts is a home run opportunity. It was also, I lo love how UPS invested in that and made it free for the market mm -hmm. to, to connect and learn, you know, and, and network and all that good stuff. Jill, I think you spoke at this event yeah. and the cool thing, and I, I want to get your favorite, your favorite experience from it, but folks, you can uh, use the link we're about to drop in the chat to get access to all the replays of, I counted at least 10, if not 15 sessions. So if our team could drop that in the chat and then while they do that, Jill, what was your favorite aspect about the third supply chain virtual connect so you you just mentioned about slack you know this tool that that we use for these connect is my favorite part because you can virtually walk in and out of rooms so if you're you can go into a room and you can kind of take a look and see who's there and connect in with people that that you need to or want to for whatever reason and, and i like the the mobility of the tool it very much mirrors a, a an actual conference and for me, that was my favorite part. I could go in and meet with customers or talk to people just completely on the fly. Very natural. I love that. Mm. Love that. And our ecosystem loves you, Jill. Member says, awesome stuff as always. Please have Jill over again. Uh, we certainly will. I love the way she says, have Jill over. Actually, maybe <laughs> we will actually have you in person. Right. Agreed. You, you could have a reason to get to Atlanta. Where I always, I'm in Atlanta like every other week, so that's no problem. Well, <laughs> And let me add to your motivation, Jill. <laughs> One of the top five taquerias in America is in Kennesaw, Georgia, strangely, right. just just north of Atlanta. So there Tuesday. Let's we'll go. get you there. Let's do it. <laughs> That's it. All right. It's got to happen. All right. So really quick, we're going to go back. We got one more resource to drop with folks. And you, and again, y'all can check out the sessions from the third supply chain virtual connect. Big thanks to UPS for investing and making that happen. Delilah missed the front end. We had that, you know, the connectivity network had an issue. So the three steps, Jill, and correct me if I'm wrong, how to find data, how to harmonize and synergize the data, and then how to use the clean data. Is that right, Jill? That's exactly right. Find it, harmonize it, use it. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right. So let's then let's shift gears over to, there's an email sign up that uh, the great team has over at UPS Supply Chain Solutions. I'm going to drop that in here as well. So you can sign up for this. We've got a link for that. You get weekly market intel, events, you name it, uh, ideas, best practices in these ever-changing times. Uh, Jill, that seems to be a great resource that UPS puts out as well. And the thing I like about this is it's up to date. You know, the, the situation right now, this week, as of Monday in Hong Kong, we're already reporting on it with the, the COVID shutdowns that are happening and, and several, many, many, many manufacturers are down. Mm. So um, being able to understand what does that mean to you is, is critical. Mm. Wonderful. Uh, I got to share a couple before we let you go, before we make sure folks know how to connect with you, Jill, um, find this comment here. Without Slack, I think this is Catherine, without Slack, 
how would I share cookie recipes with Amanda Luton? (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And Barbara used to live in Kennesaw. Great town. We agree, Barbara. Okay, so Jill, really enjoy. You know, Greg, I love Jill's approach. I knew when we had our prep conversation, this is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be very practical. Folks are going to have lots of, of actionable takeaways. And Jill, you surpassed those expectations. You blew it out of the water. How can folks connect with Jill Odell? LinkedIn. Uh, you know, LinkedIn has is, is kind of changed our business world, hasn't it? But yeah, you guys have been great. I, I really appreciate letting me come. And yeah, I'd love to hear from anybody on LinkedIn. That's the best way to get a hold of me. Wonderful. We got those links in the show notes. Greg, before we let Jill go, did you have as much fun with Jill Odell as I did? You know what I love about her approach is it's not an approach. It's her. It's very <laughs> genuine. I really appreciate that, Jill. And I have a qu- I have another question for you. <laughs> Do business cards not seem redundant now that oh you have LinkedIn? And I haven't ordered people... a business card in, like in the last five jobs. I, I, yeah. At one point, probably five or six years ago, I finally ordered a pack and I just wrote on their manager. Like I didn't put anything <laughs> else because A, my job changed a lot. And B, I'm right. like, who even cares? You know? Right. I you feel know. silly. Now they have that little code on LinkedIn where people mm-hmm. can just scan it and yeah. you're connected, connected. Yep. yep. You know, I, I had this handy. This wasn't planned, but this dot card blue thing is 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 a a single business card where folks can scan it with their phone and they get all the information they ever want about you. And I felt oh, so Lord. much better using that than printing more business cards, you know, to your point, Jill and Greg. But nevertheless, lots and lots of solutions. Jill, a pleasure to have you with us here Thank today. You Thank you very much. Really appreciate your time. Uh, Folks, make sure you connect with Jill Odell. uh, Plug in with the UPS team. Uh, Wonderful resources. I want to thank, again, Jill Odell, Vice President of Strategy and Industrial Engineering at UPS Global Freight Forwarding. Thank you, Jill. Thanks, guys. Well, Gregory, I'll tell you, uh, you never know what Murphy's Law has in store. We navigated some treacherous waves on the front end, but everything worked out. I, I still think, I'm going to do some research. I still think that March Madness thing kicked in. The whole country starts, you know, having all the games on while still knocking out work. The I could just see one of those cartoon moments where the, you know, the power stations kind of, you know, and then someone flips a switch. Yeah. <laughs> we will have to go back to the timestamp and figure out when that all started and if it coincided with games starting, but I bet it did. Yes, I agree. So, well, how about Jill? Um, down, down here in Hilton Head, it is the entire state of Indiana's spring break. And really? it feels like the entire <laughs> state of Indiana is here. So you can just imagine, there, there go all of the TV streaming in every, or, you know, or, you know, people can do it now on the beach. Right. Hoosiers, so. Hoosiers for days, for sure. Um, right. Okay. But how about Jill Odell? I mean, this is, uh, as memory put it, uh, a dynamo. Let's have her back. Uh, What was your favorite thing Jill shared here today? I can't help but make this comparison. But, you know, Tandria Bellamy is such a leader, right? Such a thoughtful person, big into mentorship and big into staff engagement. I see a lot of that in Jill. I'm sure she developed it herself. But, you know, we had the discussion about Tandria and it, it just... Harken back to that, and it, it it makes me feel good that you know that uh, that sort of caring and transparency, and obviously her gifts around industrial engineering and data, and of course human leadership, mm. all of those gifts continue at UPS with Jill being there. So I, I you know don't want to talk too much about Tandria, but she knows Jill knows that that's high praise from our standpoint. Mm. So. Mm. Well said. Um, and I, I think also that, that there was, uh, you know, we don't always get this. We got three steps, actionable steps in, in this session. And we got some really good answers on how to conduct those steps. So mm. this is a, almost a to-do episode for people. It's not just philosophical. It is, right. this is how you can accomplish it. So yeah. this is this is one I would put in the archives and refer back to as if I'm, you know, leading a company as I'm trying to develop a data strategy, this is one I would definitely keep in the archives. Excellent point there, Greg. We got a lot about the why. You know, I love how she spoke a lot about the why and what you get if you if you put in the time, you put in the the uh, elbow grease uh, to become this data driven supply chain super competitor. What it means, what it means for you, your customers, your suppliers, your team, 
And those are important questions to ask. And we, sh- to your point, she's real. You know, Jill is the same person here as she was in in the pre-show prep show. So we're getting <laughs> so true. We got a fan club. We got, we got a new fan club. You know, we, we we lead a bunch of Atlanta, Atlanta area fan clubs. We got to start a new one. But folks, as Greg mentioned, make sure you catalog this episode. Refer back. We covered a lot of ground here today with Greg mm-hmm. and Jill Odell with UPS. Want to be sure to check out the Supply Chain Procurement Awards. Get those. Let's celebrate your team while calling attention to some big issues of our day, and especially the uh, incredible mission that the nonprofit Hope for Justice team is uh, setting out uh, to, to complete. But folks, whatever you do, Scott Luton, Greg White signing off for now, uh, challenging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.